Pastor Jonathan, are you there? I am here. Hey, how are you? How are you? you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Good. Good, good. All right. Well, we are going to go to our chat room. We've got some questions. We already got some questions coming through. Well, before you do, before you do, though, because I did my best. I even Googled how do Gen Zs dress. Right. So, like, I did my best. But, you know, you can just see that I got a hoodie on. Uh, What you can't see is I've got these sneakers on, and I'll pull one up here and just... Yeah, I'm going to even walk it closer oh to the camera goodness, here. Oh my goodness, look at you. Yeah, this yeah, was the actual... It's not focusing. We oh, got to step back. There okay, okay. This is the actual sneaker that that I wore when I was Gen Z's age. Wow. So Pastor Richard, who's in the chat room, shout out to you. He's a sneaker head. And, and he found this sneaker for me a couple of years ago. It's an Adidas torsion. So I wore these when I was running when, when I was Gen Z's age. So I'm going to just put this right on the, on oh, the desk. Oh, yeah. Someone's a little proud. Well, I am very yeah. proud. And I did this for you, Gen Z. There I did this go. for you. <laughs> I can't lie. When, I can't lie. When I saw you, I mean, I, you just see the hoodie. But when I saw you this morning with your shoes, I was like, okay. I see you. I know. I see you. I, I was trying. I was yeah. trying. It's not my. It's not my thing. I often hear from people, even in the chat room, Pastor Jonathan, you don't wear a lot of color, and it's yeah. It's because as a redhead, sometimes it just kind of just washes you right out. So you're a uh, redhead. We'd never know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was so mean. I'm. I'm, I'm going to the question. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no I, it doesn't bother me the least. <laughs> oh, man. But no, we love your shoes. They're pretty awesome. And uh, you're really looking like a Gen, a gen Zetter. So, okay. All right, let's jump into the let's questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do Gen Zetters tend to conceal the truth more than other generations? Wow. That's a question no. from Jesus Fan. Yeah, hey, great question. Actually, Gen Zetters are fairly honest and collaborative. I think, though, I like how uh, Tim talked about the data. The connectivity globally means that they feel the pain of others. There's a real sense of, when we talk about family, uh, they feel the pain of other cultures, other generations, and they absorb it all. There's a level of honesty with Gen Z and millennials that I find refreshing. I think when my generation was around, it was stiff upper lipping it. <laughs> you know, it didn't pay often to be open and transparent. And I think authenticity and genuineness is key values for this generation. So they're going to grit it out, which I love. Uh, but but I, I think they're, they're very honest. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I would have to agree. I mean, again, I work with them. Right. And I think that that is one of the really awesome things about that generation is that despite the anxiety that they feel and despite maybe knowing, like, I feel like they are very honest and very real. Um, so that's really cool. Okay. We've got another one from Charlie. How do I know what my true desires are beyond surface level? So my heart doesn't deceive me. Uh, excellent question, Charlie, because, uh, your heart is conflicted and will try to deceive us. That's why in the older part of the Bible, King David says to, and he invites God, search my heart, see if there's any evil desires in me. Because inside of all of us are warring godly desires and desires that lead to brokenness, uh, that move us further away from God. And which desires we feed determines which desires begin to become priorities in our life. And so I, I think... Uh, Charlie, you're wise <laughs> to be able to say, and I often will do this actual prayer, Charlie, I'll, I'll hold my hands in front of me like I'm holding my life before God, and I'll say, God, search me, mm. search me, because I have a propensity to even fool myself, 
to see if there's any evil desires or, or, or unhealthy desires in me. And then, then you can invite the Holy Spirit to be at work on you. Yeah, that, great question, Charlie. That's so good. And I, I just, because again, I, I see this in our young people and I see them struggling with that. And, and because right now, especially in society, the desires of the world are completely opposite from the desires that Jesus has for us. Yeah. And so I see young people really struggling with that. So, and, and yeah. you know, that's that whole idea of being in Christ. The thing is, mm. like, even when you're a parent, if you're in a healthy home and you trust your parents, you know, even when they ask something of you and you don't agree with it, you, you probably know their default is meaning good for you. And when you learn to find in Christ, you learn to trust his voice. There's an old hymn that our boomers and builders would know, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And the idea is if you trust Jesus, you'll understand that when he asks something of you, it's always for your benefit. It's always for you to be the healthiest version of yourself. So it's learning to know Jesus' voice and trust it. Mm, that's so good. Okay, we have one here from Kathy, and it says this. How do you get to a point where you can find your identity in Christ when you can't see Jesus? Yeah, I mean, this, Kathy, great question, because um, there are many things in life, of course, we can't see, but we know are real, and it's like the air we breathe or something like that. The person of Jesus, though, uh, this is why even we talked about last week, Stephanie, with millennials, that they, more than an explanation is an experience. A spiritual experience means more to them than an explanation about the person of Jesus. And I would say this, this is why being a Pentecostal church is so uh, a piece of who we are and what is so central to who we are, because we do believe you can experience the living God in your life. And, and sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it can be fairly dramatic, but he's powerful and he's present. And one of the ways you get to know him, so you understand when it's God at work in you, and this is why I love your SLT, the spiritual life track for Gen Zers. I love that because one of the ways we grow in it is by understanding God's word, which helps inform, helps us understand who he is and how he relates to us. That's so good. That's awesome. Okay, I have a really good one here. And as a millennial, I'm really interested and intrigued about this question. Rosalie asks, do you think that by naming each generation and looking at the characteristics will cause people to compartmentalize one another to fit into a generational stereotype? I, 100%, it could. Yeah. Like, I, I, listen, I know Gen Zers that um, their, their outlook and perspective on life looks more like a, a senior citizen. <laughs> and I know seniors who have this refreshing, incredibly younger vision in life. So, I mean, age is a determination. And of course, we get to choose a little bit of the framework we work in. The generational uh, narratives, and you know, whether it's builder, boomer, uh, Xer, millennial, or Gen Z, and the generations that will come after, they're focused around events that determined a lot of the mentality and outlook of generations. It's just like being a, a nationality. Uh, I mean, you could be a Canadian. What does that mean? Well, it depends on what your experience has been. It depends on whether you're new to Canada or not. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a marker, it's a moniker that can help identify a little bit, oh, if you're a Canadian, you're probably polite, you're probably this, whatever those things might be. Um, but that may not be true of you. 
And it's the same generationally. But they are helpful, and we shouldn't ignore them because there's enough data that shows us that these segments of the population see the world through a certain lens of an experience of things that their generation has had to go through. So, sure, you can, you, it, it can be very beneficial in helping us understand why change is happening, but also, too, it doesn't help us with each individual, always. Hope, I hope that, that answers the question. Yeah, I know. That's really cool. I know, like, I just know from experiences being a millennial that sometimes, um, well, before this, before this teaching, I think, I think that this has really helped all of our generations kind of understand each other a little bit more. But sometimes millennials get this bad rep of being um, being a generation that's loud but not very involved or yeah, yeah. Um, using their voices but not actually action-based. And I think that that obviously comes from generations who have always been very, um, just very get it done. And so, uh, yeah, so it's really interesting. But it, it is interesting. The data even around millennials is uh, that that bad rap rep is a bit of a mischaracterization of millennials. Mm. Uh, millennials is, are the the largest portion of the workforce in Canada today, and uh, you know the, the the this idea of the millennial living off their parents. Now, in the city of Toronto, uh, <laughs> housing is always an issue. So, yeah. so I think there's always family helping is always good if you if you have that available to you. But but here's the thing: uh, millennials are hard workers. But millennials are very passionate and they realize life is not all work either. Mm. I think there's some real health and every generation brings something to the, to, to the table that's beneficial for the generations around it. And we also bring some baggage to the table. So like Gen Zers are going to give millennials a little bit of a, a challenge, I think, is millennials have to lead them because they are different than millennials. But again, there will be some Gen Zers that are a lot like millennials and vice versa. But the cohort... Uh, behaves a little differently. So I, I think mischaracterizations are easy when we don't understand a generation and it can lead us to judge them. And we got to be very careful about that. Awesome. Okay. The questions are, they, they keep coming. So I'm going to okay, keep let's going. Go. All right. Arlene asks, regarding the previous question about honesty, I feel that a lot of this generation has a filter on so much, uh, so much that they are struggling to know what's true or authentic. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Arlene, that's that's the hard part, right? And I talked a little bit about that when I was talking about the blame shame thing, and even when we begin to hide, and then we let people see a version of us because we can't let them see the true us because we might receive rejection or, or whatever pain might happen. And I, I, if this is the Arlene, I think it is. She's a school teacher too. She's going to have seen this on full display. And I think, you know, Stephanie, that's one thing the millennial generation, and, you know, it, it could be called the filter generation in many ways, uh, because there was a filter of image. And it was uh, trying to backfill uh, a lot of insecurities, a lot of things that they were challenged with. And millennials have had to grow up with uh, sometimes facing a lot of, look at, look at the state of our world. It's harder for a millennial to get established in the city of Toronto than it was an X or, or a boomer, mm. uh, the way things are scaled. So there's a lot of things that can feel stacked against a generation. And so they begin to filter to appear, but every generation has done it. We just done it a little bit differently. I think though, I, I, the early data on Zeds, are the, that the filters are a little bit more off. And I think this is going to be interesting to see how, as they emerge, how this will inform the way the church and leadership looks. Awesome. 
Very cool. Okay, I got another one from Maureen. How do we balance acceptance with discernment? And how can we communicate it in a loving way? Acceptance with discernment. I'm not sure I fully understand, Maureen, what you're asking, but I'll say this, that acceptance is something we give. And it means uh, I don't need to accept somebody that is just like me, that I love, that it's easy to get along with, and we never rub each other the wrong way. You don't need acceptance. You don't need to flex your acceptance muscle there because they're already in. Acceptance is what I need when we're different, when we think differently, when we behave differently, when we have different value systems, uh, when we have different belief systems, all of those things. That requires a level of acceptance. And of course, acceptance doesn't mean I accept everything that, that, that this person may do or participate in it. It's I, I accept them as an image bearer of God. And I'm choosing to love them. And then that's where good dialogue can happen in the context of a loving relationship. And discernment, you know, I think this is why understanding God's word. And, and Marina, I don't know how old you are, but if you're uh, of that SLT age, this is why even parents get your kids in the SLT because discernment comes from place, having immersed yourself in truth uh, that allows you to then see counterfeits of truth and you're able to discern the difference. And also too, just being open to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in life, I've felt just the Holy Spirit, you know, giving me a, what I call a check. I just feel a moment like, well, be careful, Jonathan. And it, it's really the Holy Spirit protecting me, guiding me. And so don't, don't ignore those uh, uh, for any of you who are in Christ. So many of you know exactly what I mean, but some of you just, just look for those moments. And if you're faced with decisions or moments and you're trying to discern, you know, just lay it out before God and welcome him to help you discern a way forward. That's awesome. Okay, I've got one more here. Um, do locations like school, shops, and workplace initiate or um, amplify anxiety levels? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, Pastor Keith would always say this. I, I love this. He would say this about anger. You've probably heard him say it many times if you're part of One Church Deal. He'd say, nobody can make you angry. Nobody can make you get angry. We choose anger, but anger comes from a place of brokenness in us, right? It comes from a place of brokenness in us. And anxiety is the same thing. And this is why I talked about solidifying your identity so you can minimize your anxiety. So I take me everywhere I go. <laughs> so whether it's to school or work or, or, and there are situations in all of those places that can play on my anxieties that already exist in me. And so I think solidifying our identity in Christ knowing that he's always going to go with us. He's going to walk before us, behind us. He's got us. And this is a beautiful thing about the faithfulness of Christ. When we're in Christ, it says that we are, he's like a strong tower that the righteous can run into and they will be saved. We have this, this assurance that no matter what happens to us life, and sometimes rough things happen, we're in Christ. Nobody can rip us out of his hand. Nothing can take us out of his hand. So we have that security for the long game that Christ has us and we remain in him. That's awesome. Okay, Pastor Jonathan, I've got one more and this is okay. actually from Pastor Richard. Oh, And cool. he said, 
what is the best way to mentor a Gen Z? slash how do we connect with them? And then I guess if there are any Gen Zers in the chat, he wants to know, what are you looking for in a mentor? So if you are a Gen Z, um, comment in the chat. But Pastor Jonathan, what's the best way to mentor our Gen Z um, generation? Well, I, you know, I think Pastor Richard's actually fairly good at this. So, <laughs> so he might be the better one to school me in it. But I will say this. Uh, it goes back to even that Gen X message. Listen. Listen to the Gen Z. Mm. Uh, really listen and hear them. And sometimes that requires great questions, open-ended questions that invites them to share what's on their mind. And it's always hard as we age, we become a little bit more of lecturers than listeners. Ooh. And we got to be very careful with that because, you know, as we listen, we earn the right to begin to help or begin to insert some life experiences along the way. But, you know, I, I, I work hard to try to listen because I'm, I'm not a great listener by nature. And so I work hard. And you know the old adage, you know, God gives you two ears, one mouth. <laughs> Take the hint kind of thing. But, but a, a listener over a lecturer is much more engaging to build into a mentoring relationship with Gen Z or a millennial or a boomer or any a generation. Yeah. That is so good. I really, I, I see that in our young people. I think that um, there are some generations that just tend to have, just tend to go into that lecturing um, mode. And I, uh, this, this generation really does need a place to just, just to talk and to not feel like they have to, I, this is something huge for me because I, I want, I'm a problem solver. I want to be yeah. like, okay, let's figure this out. Let's problem solve your, th this issue that you're dealing with. But so many of them, that's not what they want. They well, want to just sit and talk. Well, see, even I'm trying to interrupt you. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, yeah. But you, here's the, here's, it's not even generationally specific. I think Stephanie, I think it's life. I mm. think as we age, We've accumulated so many experiences. Like when my wife was a brand new mom, my mom couldn't help but give her advice, <laughs> unsolicited advice. And after a while, that accumulated on a young mom who was just like, whoa, you know, I need to be okay to make my own mistakes here. Right. There, there's a better way to do this. It's better when people are coming to you looking for that advice. And the way you do that is if you're an active listener, when you, when you truly listen to someone, you're, you're communicating value. I, I'm interested in your ideas. You know, so if you've got a, a especially a, a young Gen Zer, maybe, maybe they're 10 or 11, and, and, you know, it's so easy to go into lecture mode, but listen, how was their day? What do they think is important? They're going to open their heart up to you, and if they feel heard, they're going to be so willing to listen themselves. So, you know, I think listening is such an undervalued underappreciated skill uh, in our culture today. And I think people are begging to be listened to. Man, wouldn't it be neat if the whole church could become a great listening community? Mm. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> a listening community. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Jonathan. Love you guys. Um, we'll see you later. Bye now.